Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you. I'm so glad to be at church today with you. I really am. Hey, can we thank Pastor Mark for his message last week? So great. Um, just so you know, at the end of service together, we're going to be taking communion and uh, we'll just be preparing our hearts for that. But before I get into uh, to the message today, I want to let you know next week, which is uh, January 28th during our 10 a.m. service, which is the only service we have, so it's that service, as you know. Uh, we're going to be celebrating next week that we as a church are out of debt and free from financial debt. And so we're going to have a great celebration service in here. Then we're going to go out and just have lunch together, and lunch will be provided, and we did not go into debt to provide lunch for you. Uh, we're so grateful, and uh, a lot of it was donated, so we're just so grateful. So listen, bring some friends with you, bring a neighbor, it's going to be a fun service, and we're just going to have a good time, and we're going to eat together. It's going to be a blast, so let me just invite you to come out, bring your family, bring your kids. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm just so excited that we get to celebrate God's faithfulness to us. Really, it's a miracle, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk more about that next week. Um, you know, we have started this series that is called Built for This. <clears throat> and as we step into a new season, we, we're asking God the question, really, God, what do you have for us in this new season? As we step out of debt, as we align ourselves to the purposes of God in the Scriptures, God, what, what, what do you have for us? And we've, we've really sensed that God has given us some language to help us describe who we are and what we want to become and, and what God is doing. And, and last week, Pastor Mark talked about believe and what it means to believe. And so these four Bs are we believe, belong, become, and build. And really these are four things that each one of us has at the core of all of our lives. All humans have this. They, there's, a, there, there's a belief. We, we want to believe that there is something greater than us. We want to believe that, that in all of our mistakes and all of our difficulties that there is a God who does love us, who do, does see us, who did create us to know him. And so believing in Christ by faith is how we become part of of the family, and so we belong, and so everyone in, in human race wants to belong to something. One of the, the ways the enemy works is he hijacks that, that desire to belong, and he attaches it to something that's destructive, but we are called and created by God to belong to his family, to belong in a family that's called a local church. Also, to become. All of us want our lives to have a purpose. All of us want our lives to, to matter and to mean something, to make a difference. And so this is about our equipping of the saints and us growing and conforming ourselves into the image of God through his word. And then there's to build. We are called by God to build the kingdom of God on the earth. The church is not called to lay dormant and, and do its thing within a building. We're called to go out and transform the world around us and make it better because we're in it. Amen? Amen. And so this is who we are. So we, we are Continuing to look at these, these four things that really identify we are built for this. And so this week, 
we're going to be looking at the second B, which is to belong. And now, in order to belong and be a part of God's family, you must believe. You must put your faith in Christ. A lot of people say this, you know, well, everybody is a child of God. That's actually not true. Jesus says in, in the Gospels, he says that he calls some to be his children and some to be children of the devil. I choose to be a child of God, right? My parents might have thought I was a child of the devil at some point, but by the grace of God, I'm a child of God. And so there is this understanding in order to be a part of God's family, we need to believe. And it's through that belief we become and we belong in his family. So I want to talk to you today about belonging. I want to talk to you about what it means to belong, to be saved. And what is it to belong to God's family, but more specifically to a local church? Most people don't really understand that being a Christian is not an individualistic kind of um, isolating activity. Now, we do live in the U.S. or the Western mindset where everything is really about us and about me and about our self-freedom um, and we choose and all of that. And we can have Jesus, my Bible, and that's, I don't need anything else. And that sounds great to our Western self-centered world, but that's not the family of God. Believing in Christ brings us to belonging. It brings us into something greater than us alone. And when Christians follow the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, he calls them and he says, come follow me. And people answer that calling and they follow him. But naturally, if you're getting closer to Jesus and following Jesus, you're coming nearer to one another and the others who are following Jesus. So when you come to Christ, you are at the same time drawing closer to others who have come to him. It's just natural because God didn't set out to make lone rangers in his family. He set out to create a family and that family looks like something. So being a Christian by its very biblical definition involves belonging to the family of God. And in turn, it means God places you to belong in a particular local church. Last week, I had the, the privilege of speaking at a, at a, a missions and ministers conference, and the theme of the whole conference was reformation and revival. Reformation and revival. And the topic is really looking at the effectiveness of the local church in America. And though there were mission, missionaries from all over the world there, they're still looking at this idea of what is the local church supposed to look like? How is it supposed to impact the world around and, or, the, or the location or the city in which it is in? Because most of us are like, yes, we go to church, but do we really understand what it means to be a part of the family of God? And what, we've, what, what was discussed and as we leaned into it, the church has drifted from its original purpose of what it means for you as a congregation member. For me as a part of the flock, as a congregation member here as well, what does it mean for us to be a part of a church family? And we've lost that. 
The conclusion is we've lost that understanding because we just kind of, there's a consumerism about churches. And so one of, the, one of the points is, you know, a lot of times what, the reason why churches have lost their identity, what it means to be a local church, is because we bought into the consumer idea that really what, what, what is success for a local church is how many butts you can get in the seats. And so what we have done is we've shaped everything about the local church to convince other Christians that our church is way cooler than your church, so you should come to our church. Say amen. And so the result of the impact in the world, which is not what we know it should be, is because it's what we've created. And so what does it mean to be a part of a family? The Apostle Paul writes a local church, and he reminds them of who they are. But as we read into this, you can see that being a Christian, one of the great privileges of being a Christian is belonging to a church. Belonging to a church. Not just the church, because we all are part of the church. If you put your faith in Christ, you're part of God's family. But there's so much more than that. God then sets us in a local church. But though being in a church or belonging to a church is a, is a great privilege, it's also a central responsibility as a Christian. And so the Apostle Paul writes that a church, a local church in Ephesus, and he says this, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is about a household. This is about being aware of what's going on in the household. This is about growing together in a household. This is not speaking of, of just the large family of God. This is speaking of a local church. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, also what he's saying is this. The, how a local church is to be governed and to be shaped and it to be built on is through, it's through what he says here, through the apostles and the prophets. Well, in other words, what is taught in the church should be what we have in the scriptures that was written to local churches of what the apostles taught. This is how you're to conduct, conduct your life. This is how you're to love one another. This is how you're to be with one another. This is what a pastor is. This is what it means to be in a local church. And then it goes on to say, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together. So we as a church are being built together. Faith church being built together. To be a dwelling place for God by his spirit. And so the word church is mentioned a few times, but when it's mentioned, many, many people think of a building. How many know this? We, we are in a building. It's paid for. That's great. Praise God. But if the building burnt down this week, how many know that we as a church would meet next week somewhere? We would meet. Why? Because we're not a building. We're a people. We're a people who have committed to God and committed to one another. These are my people. This is my family. So we would gather and we would meet and we would worship. The writer in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 explicitly tells us that we're not to forsake the gathering together of ourselves 
as Christians. Now remember, he's writing a local church. He's not writing all the churches in the world. He's writing a local church, and we can learn from this. Some would even go further to say that in the New Testament, there's no such thing as a churchless Christian. Now, I know I've heard before, hey, no, listen, my church is a backpack in the mountains and the fresh air. That's my church. That sounds great. It's just not in the Bible. Or my church is at tea off time on a Sunday morning with my buddies, with Caleb in the background. That's church. It sounds great. That's my small group. That's my, boy, we have church. And I'll even, and people even justify, I tell you what, I, I, I connect more with God doing that than I do going to church. Okay, that's just not in the Bible. Maybe you shouldn't connect more with that than going to church. I would say you shouldn't. Nothing wrong with hiking and golfing, just so you know, I'm just saying, that's great. But there's no Lone Rangers in Christianity. There's no Lone Ranger Christians in the New Testament. Because we are to understand all who are united with Christ are united, now hear this, with one another. With one another. So if this is your church family, God has done something special. He's united us together. It's a privilege, but it's also a responsibility. So as Christians, we're, we, we love to gather together. We want to be together as the church. We want to be a local gathering. But here's the deal. We gather in a local place in a particular, with a, we're a particular people. There's something about Faith Church when you're like, no, I'm a member of Faith Church. There's something about you that you connect. There's a, there's a familiarity of who we are, but we gather in a particular place in a particular time celebrating the work of King Jesus. This is God's design to plant us in a local church. I've walked with Jesus since I was six years old. We've been married for 25 years in July, which is a miracle because Cheryl is married to me. But either way, I just, she's such a gracious woman. I have never been without a church family. It was never a, an option. Ah, it's okay. We'll just do church together as a family. That's, that is not how God designed it. That's not how I see it in the scriptures. So I have benefited greatly from being within a local church at every point in my life, whether I was pastoring or part of the congregation. So we see this articulated in the scriptures that there are local churches. You have the church in, in Thessalonica, the church in Ephesus, the church in Rome, and Christ calls his disciples to gather in local congregations to do the particular work he's called that particular body to do. And so we have this explicit command to gather. And the reason why I'm spending time on this is because I want us to come back to the, to the purpose of local church. And I want you to know something. It was, it was Paul's understanding 
that how he was going to fulfill the Great Commission is by planting churches all throughout the world as far as he could go because he believed that the greatest hope of the world is going to flow through the local church. So I want to give you some things about belonging and what does it mean to belong. Number one, belonging to our local church is how we express that we are a part of the family of God. It's how we express it. Galatians 6.10 says this, as we have an opportunity, again, let me back up. Galatians is written to a local church in Galatia. We have an opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially, everybody say especially, to those who belong to the family of believers. This is so important. Some, uh, the local church, for the most part, has maybe lost touch with this reality. That we have a priority of who we are to do good to and for. So we're to do good to all people. Yes, absolutely. We believe in it. We should do good to all people. But we have a responsibility to, to prioritize each other just as you would for your own nuclear family. So if my kids come to me and say, I have a need, I don't say, hey, call the church. See if, see if uh, Pastor Mark or Pastor Jim is around. See if, see if Dave can help you. Why? Because I have, a, I have a responsibility as the head of my home to try to meet the needs of my family. And so there is also responsibility within church family. When we come to faith in Christ, we, we're not bound only together with him, but we're also bound to his people. Bound together in love and bound together in grace. Being a part of a local church is where we mature together. It's where we, if, if there's a, 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 some kind of disagreement Immaturity says, I'm out of here. I don't like that. Maturity says, hey, you're my family. Let's work through this together. One gives a testimony to the world that we're not a family. The other gives a testimony to the world that Jesus is who he said he actually is. He's the head of the church. One honors the leadership of Christ and we apply his nature and the fruits of the spirit to how we interact with one another. One honors the flesh and separates itself because it's immature. This is what it means to be part of the family. There are many pictures in the Bible about the church. It's called the body, the bride, the flock, the temple. But I think the most important picture that we have in the Bible, it's not a metaphor, it's a reality. The church is a family. Amen. The church is a family. So as we... Talk about this year, what it means to, to bring people, to lead people to belief in Christ. We first must understand what it means for them to belong then to, a, to our church. We have a responsibility to disciple them. We have a responsibility to meet them where they are. We have a responsibility to help them on their journey, to, that they would belong, that they would become, and that together then we would build the kingdom with us as a church and our other partners that we have serving in the city. It's important that we understand that. And so 
It's even interesting that the human family, your nuclear human family, is actually a metaphor for the greater reality, which is God's family, which is the local church. So God has given us rebirth through his spirit. We've been adopted into his family. We're his sons and daughters. We receive the spirit of adoption, and we call him, according to scriptures, Abba, Father, which is a term of endearment, a term of, of intimacy. And we all do that together. So think about this. We all do that together. And we are therefore brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and sons spiritually. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy, we are to treat each other in our church as family. This is the purpose of local church. And it's so important for us to understand that the church that God has placed us in, that we view each other as family. That you view, I view you as family, you view me as family. You view the leaders as family. You also, we also view each other as human. I don't know if you've ever, it, for some reason we walk into the church, we, 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 we think people aren't human. And they do things and something goes wrong or they have a bad day or whatever. Something in leadership and you're like, well, they, they get no room for anything. I'm out. Well, we're human. You're human. You're sheep. I'm a sheep. Everywhere a sheep, sheep. <laughs> in other words, we're not perfect. Raise your hand here if you have a perfect family at home. I saw some kid raise their hand. Amen. <laughs> Dad's like, I'll pay you later, son. That's nice work. <clears throat> None of us do. I mean, nobody, nobody goes home after church and is like, my family's perfect. Actually, you probably screamed at you this morning trying to get ready for church that your family was not perfect. And you might have even screamed. But this is the power of family. It's a choice. I choose to love you, even though sometimes I don't like you. You choose to love me. You choose to love each other. Why? Because that's what family does. There's a loyalty. There's an understanding. There's an understanding of what it means to be in a family. So the church was absolutely the central, it was central to the vision of Jesus. Actually, Matthew 16, 8, Jesus said, I will build my church. So who's going to build his church? Jesus will. So Jesus' ongoing focus and purpose of coming to this earth and still today is to continue to build his church. And he doesn't do this in isolation with individuals outside of a local church family. He came to build his church and he's continuing to do it. And one day he's going to complete it. But that's what we're a part of. 
Later, the Apostle Paul writes to the local church in Ephesus, and he makes this incredible claim that Jesus governs the entire cosmos with a view to the well-being of the church. Ephesians 1.22, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Christ, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Later in the same letter to the Ephesians, he describes the way husbands should love their wives and they should do it as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So the church is that important to the Savior. He loves her. He died for her. He's still building her, not through isolation, but through the local church. Imagine if the local church understood this. Imagine if we came back to what it means to be this is my church family. There's no doubt it, the church is the central importance to the kingdom of God on the earth. Christ literally rules the world for it. So since it's his central purpose, since it's the love of his, it, it's the center of his love and affection, he was willing to die for it. Since that is true, then as a disciple of Jesus, I too should love the church. It's easy to love the church, the big C church. I love the church of Jesus all over the world. That's easy. That's so easy. Because you don't ever have to really interact with them. But we should love our church, Faith Church. And love is a choice. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. Sinclair Ferguson, who's a professor at Systematic Theology Reformed Theological Seminary, he writes this, it is simply not possible to live a God-centered, Christ-centered, spirit-led life unless my life is also church-centered. And in our Western world, this rubs us the wrong way. Because at the core of really who we all are, we have trust issues. I do, you do, we all do. Why, because we're sheep. This is what God calls us to. So anything that's of central importance to our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, is to be central to the Christian. If I was to ask, you know, many people, and I, it seems to be most in my experience, a lot in Colorado, but you say, hey, what's your local church? Well, you know, hey, I, this church, I love this church. I go to this church for the worship. I go to this church for the preaching. I go to this church for the community. I go to the, I'm like, well, who's your pastor? I, I have all of them. Uh, okay, you're not a part of a church. You're a consumer. 
but you're not a part of a family. And being part of a family means you go in, you make a commitment. There's a Bible verse that many Christians wrestle with. It's when Jesus was teaching and his nuclear family came to see him. So we know there was a command that, that Joseph was not to lay with Mary until after the birth of Christ. It's very clear. It's what the angel says. It's clear. Boom. And so after Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary had other children, regardless of what the Catholic Church says. They did. And so they were, I guess you could call them half-brothers and sisters to Jesus, but they grew up in the same household. So on one occasion, they're worried about Jesus' teaching because they're like, man, he is getting some flack for the stuff he's teaching. So they kind of they went to the place he was teaching and he was preaching and they're really fearing about where this is going to lead because this could, this could end up bad for you, Jesus. And so Matthew 12, 47, someone told him, hey, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied to them, now look, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That's harsh. I think, dang, Jesus, I think you should be nicer to your family. Well, his siblings didn't believe that he was the Messiah. Mary did, but his siblings did not. Jude, the writer of the book of Jude, didn't believe in Christ until after his resurrection. Then he was like, whoa, I guess you are who you said you were, right? So, so they didn't believe in, in, in Christ. So he's saying, no, those who do the will of my father, which he was looking at, at, at his disciples. So this perspective is hard to embrace, and it, but it shows Jesus gave the church priority. Now, it doesn't mean we abandon our family. We have responsibility to our family, but it means the church and the teachings of the, uh, of the word of God and our brothers and sisters in Christ that God has given us to and in in our local church are to be a priority to us. They are to be as important to us as they are to Jesus. And as we raise families, we, we teach the same thing to our children. Hey, church is important. Hey, I know you don't want to go to church, but guess what? We get to go to church, so get your butt out of bed. We're going to church. Why? Because it's important. For parents, usually the value of church is that's, it's for your children, it's more caught than taught, if you know what I mean. You lead by example. Our kids, they go off to college, and we say, hey, find a church. Hey, what church are you going to? When I talk, hey, what, what church are you going to? Hey, how'd church go? Hey, first of all, give me the website. I want to see if you're going to some wacko church or good church. Let me know. <laughs> so join a church. Be part of a church. Be part of the life of the church. Why? Because it matters. Because you're a follower of Jesus, you should love his church. So the enemy hates the local church. Why? Because it's a family. And he hates it because he got booted out of the family. So he doesn't want anybody else to be 
to have the benefits of a, what it means to be a part of a spiritual family in Christ. And the number one strategy to destroy our church family is through division, through infighting, through gossip, through pride, through division. So division means two visions. The leadership is going this way and then this person or group goes, we think you should go this way. And they go, yeah, but you're not leading. And though it creates a division, two visions. And the enemy is the instigator. Unless there's like bad doctrine going on. Then that person would be actually right to say something. But it's usually not about doctrine. It's usually about direction. So the truth is most divisions within a local church is not about something that is a biblical purpose of the church or the main thing. It's usually about some subset of ideas that things get moved around. But in a family, how many know things change in a family? Anything ever change in your family? You decided, actually, we're going to be doing this. And actually, we're going to do things this way. And actually, hey, we're going we're, we're to move to another house. Hey, we're going to go to this place. And, it, and, and change uproots. When, when there's change, it unsettles families. I know it does for ours. But I've yet to have one of our kids say, forget you, Dad. I'm out of here. Because I don't want to do that. Or you implement a new chore. You implement something that needs to be done. And, oh, I can't believe. I, I, I liked it the other way. Well, I'm sorry, we're doing it this way. Well, then I'm breaking off my family with you. Nobody would do that. But we do it in church. And it's the enemy. But God's called us to be a family. Number two. We belong to a family that is directed and sustained by God's word. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy regarding his role as a teacher of God's word. 1 Timothy 4. If you put these things before your brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. So if you, if you elevate the teachings of God about his church above what you care about what your brothers think about you, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Timothy was a pastor at a local, pa at a local church. Being trained in the words of, of, of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Until I come... So Paul says, just do this until I come. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to the exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift I have, you have, which has been given, given you by prophecy when the council of elders lay their hands on you. In other words, they had installed him as a pastor. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. One of the main responsibilities of, of a godly Spirit-led pastoral ministry as you keep an eye on yourself and the teachings that come to the flock. Persist in this. 
For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So this is the, one of the responsibilities within the local church. And us as the leaders and elders and, and, and pastors here, we, we lead to implement the vision of the one who shed his blood for this church, Jesus. Jesus holds all ownership, all say, all veto power, because we fully belong to him. For us as a local church here at Faith Church, our job is to do our best to follow him. Are we going to be perfect at it? No. Are we going to be humble and repent? Yes. And we have done that on many occasions. Jesus loves the church and he serves the church and we love Jesus and we serve Jesus and we are his people, a family that is called Faith Church. That's who we are. So our church family is to feed on the preached, taught, studied Word of God. This is what it means to have a Jesus-centered belonging to a local church. It's interesting that Paul, who after getting saved, he began to establish church families all throughout the world in Asia, Asia Minor. And he was installing pastors and he kept the church at the center of the message that directs and sustains the church. He connected them to the word and he writes in 1 Corinthians, I decided to, do, to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, this is the reason why you gather as the church because of what Jesus has done. And he tells pastors, Titus and Timothy, to teach sound doctrine for the people because there's no substitute for it. Sound doctrine always goes back to the message of the Savior, which is Jesus Christ. And so we strive here. If you belong here at our church, we strive to not, to not share with you our opinions or our agenda. We must lay down the desire to, to entertain and, and play with people's emotions to build, we must resist the desire to build earthly kingdoms or, or facades that say, hey, we're, look, how, look how big and popular we are. I heard, heard a pastor say one time, hey, listen, you can have as big and as influential of a ministry as you want, depending on how much you're willing to pay your web designer and social media developer. Meaning, you can put stuff out there and it looks great. But when you get under it, it's not. And so we, as the leaders, and if to belong here, the pastors who lead here, we're to embrace our role as God's spokesman with the desire to please an audience of one who is Jesus. Acts 20, Paul tells the pastors in Ephesus, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock to which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers and care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And so for us, friends, I'll end with this as we move to communion. It's important we understand that we belong 
And belonging to, a, to the family of faith church is a, committed, is a commitment to be devoted to one another. One person can be a Christian, but it takes God's people and devotion to one another to be a church family. We live in a very individualistic world. Most people are worried about their, their relationship with Jesus over their participation in the family of Jesus. Both really matter. You can be a Christian by yourself, but you can't be a church by yourself. God calls us to be a part of the family. And there are great benefits of a family who understands what it means to follow Jesus together, to be faithful. I, I, I believe that as, if we as a church make a decision, we all together, you know what, we're going to be committed. We're going to love one another. We're going to serve one another. We're going, to, we're going to make sure we prioritize. We're good to all people, but we, we first must be good to fellow believers here. Listen, if we get this right, the world around us is going to change. Listen, if it doesn't work at home, let's not export it. Let's get it right here. And this is where God has called us to be as a church. That as people put their faith in Christ, and I believe God is a great harvest for us this year, they're going to belong to something that is anchored and rooted to the heart of Jesus for his church. For the heart of Jesus for you. What I love about the local church is, is listen, we, come, we serve one another. So when I'm down, you encourage me. When I have a need, God meets that need through the church. When you mourn, we mourn with you. When you rejoice, we rejoice with you. When you're struggling, the enemy is working in your life, we come to, to compassionately confront you. Why? Because we care about your future. And we care about you becoming everything that God's called you to become. We pray for you. We ask God's healing over your life. And we do all of this not to be seen, not to be heard, not to have a platform, not to, we do it because we love Jesus, and he loves his church, and he established us as a church. This is what God calls us to, and it is a great privilege, but it also comes with responsibilities. And so I want us to grow together as in this new season of what it means to be a local church set in a local place for us to be a particular people following the leading of Christ together. And us, pastors are also a part of the flock. Scripture says that, that pastors are to be one of the flock. So in others, we all have our different roles. But we go together to see God transform our lives, each other, the world around us. And that by our unity, the world will know that Christ is who God sent to save the world. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to close in communion today. If you didn't grab a communion cup, they're up front. I believe there's some around the room as well you can grab.
You know, speaking of being a church, this is called the Lord's Supper. You might think, well, it's not much. It's not about the quantity. It's about what it means. And it's the Lord's Supper that it's the, it's the, it's the, the, the leveling plane. See, the, the foot of the cross levels us all out. What I love about church is, you know, in, in, in the world we live that's all about our accomplishments and who we are and I'm this and I got this title and I'm important and I'm more important than, than this person. The, the, the cross of Jesus Christ puts us all on the same level. We all are in need of a Savior. We don't have a ranking system but we fix our eyes on the name that's above all name, Jesus Christ. And we come as brothers and sisters in Christ. So we come to the table. And before we do, I just want to ask you just a moment, just to bow your heads just for a moment. And if you're here today and you have not given your life to Jesus, you have not received the salvation that he has provided for you. And you have not confessed and said, Lord, forgive me. I give you my life today. Before we take communion, I just want to give you this opportunity. Just right where you are. If that's you today... I just want you just to raise your hand right now. Just lift it up. You can slip it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Many of you raised your hands. I, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. We're all going to pray together because we all need Christ. We all came to Christ. So we're going to pray and if this is your heart's desire, you sense the Lord convicting you, just pray this and mean it with your whole heart. And we're going to pray. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I put my trust in you. I receive your salvation. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. Give me a new start and a new life starting today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's move to communion. As, as you hold this wafer in your, in your hand, this represents the body of Christ. The body of Christ who was whipped, beaten, scorned, beard was ripped out, crown of thorns was placed on his head. And he took the punishment that brought us peace. Also in his body, he, he bore the things that we need in our life, he, you can find healing in his broken body. You can find restoration in his broken body. You can find deliverance in his broken body. And so we look to this today. Though it's small, it represents so much. And so, Lord, we, we prepare to eat this in remembrance of you. This is your body that was broken for us. And so we eat it, and as we consume it, we allow even the, the, 
the taste in our mouth to remind us we are consuming what you purchased for us. We are consuming healing. We are consuming restoration. We are consuming deliverance. We're consuming the punishment. And by doing that, God, we're receiving our healing because of your resurrected body. And so let's eat of the body today. And Lord, today we drink of your cup, which you said to the disciples, this is the blood of the new covenant. And so, Lord, we prepare to drink it. And so as we consume it and taste it, let the taste remind us that every sin through our faith in you and your work on the cross of our past, present, and future is covered. We are saved and we belong to you as family. But God, also as we drink it today, may you remind us that you've set us not just in the family, but you've set us in this family. So we drink of it, celebrating your forgiveness. Lord, today we thank you for who you are, for your purposes, for your kindness, for your love to us. Lord, thank you for my family. Thank you for this church that you've set me in as a congregation member, as my people, my family. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. You cause your face to shine upon them. You give them peace. That God, as we draw nearer to you, we would draw closer to one another. And we would create a community that the lost desperately need. And may we open our arms first wide to one another so then in turn we can open our arms wide to those that you were drawing to yourself. Jesus, we confess today this is not my church. This is not our church. This is your church. And thank you for making us a family that follows you. Now, Lord, today I pray you bless your people. You'd strengthen them. You'd lead them. May they go this week and be lights in the midst of darkness. May you protect them from the strategies of the enemy. May you lift them where they may be down. May you strengthen them may they wear, may they, where they may be weak. And God, may you give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, friends. If you need prayer, our prayer team would love to meet with you and pray with you. Also, if you need, if you just have any questions about us, you can stop by the Connect counter when you leave. We're grateful for you. God bless. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.